Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, I feel like you have to say it back. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel this morning. We're so glad that you could join us on this Christmas Sunday. A couple of quick announcements, and we are uh, going to move on to the choir singing again. First of all, please check the table under the mailboxes to see if you have Christmas cards there. Um, sometimes Christmas cards don't get put in your church mailbox. They'll get left on the table. So please, please check that table. Um, if you look farther down in your bulletin, there is no junior church today, but there is children's church for ages three to five. It says they're dismissed before the message. We're actually going to dismiss you at the greeting time, at the greeting time. So um, all kids ages three to five can go at the greeting time. There is no junior church today. And those who donated a poinsettia in honor or in memory of a loved one should take them home today. And we thank all of you who donated one. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we are so thankful for Christmas Sunday. For Christmas Day, it's just such a day of rejoicing and celebrating that our Messiah has come to save us who did not deserve it. Lord, we ask that this morning you'd speak truth into our souls. In the name of that Messiah, Jesus, we pray, amen.
If we could have everybody stand and join us to step out, turn around, shake a hand. Welcome those around you to our service this morning. Okay, I invite you to take your hymn book now and turn with me to hymn number 124. Hymn number 124, Thou didst leave thy throne. <laughs>
angels from the realm of glory. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us once again to come uh, into this place. Father, we have come today and we thank you and we are grateful that you and your great love and mercy and grace, Lord, you have sent your one and only Son to come into our world, to reside among us, to dwell with man. For God has become flesh, and for that, Lord, we thank you. Father, it began in the manger. It began with a little baby, but Lord, he grew. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And the Bible says that he went and died on a cross. And on that cross, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be able to come into your family to know you in a very personal way through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you have allowed us uh, to meet together. We know today, being Christmas, will be a full day. Uh, Father, the day probably began very early for many. The gifts were opened. Father, the breakfast took place. Even later today, Lord, there'll be, I suppose, Christmas parties and get-togethers. But may we remember in all of this, as we were reminded last week, through the choir and through the children, yes, it began in a manger, 
But Lord, it's all about the cross. Father, for that salvation which is found in Jesus and Jesus alone, we thank you. Because Lord, we know that we are part of your family. That we, Lord, have a future, a hope. Lord, because of who we are, because of the righteousness that has been given to us in Christ. Lord, we look forward to that day, that day when we will be in the very presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you again for this wonderful day that you've given to us, this wonderful music, which, uh, Father, we appreciate so much this time of year, Lord, the carols, they mean so much to each of us, reminding us, yes, of the cradle, but, Father, also of the cross. So this morning, Lord, we thank you. We do ask that you might touch the bodies, the hearts of those, Lord, who are struggling this time of year for one reason or another. Maybe it's something physical. Maybe it's, Lord, the loss of a loved one this year. Father, holidays are not the same without those who we love. And so we pray for your comfort. We pray for your grace. Sustain and watch over and protect, Lord, these who at this time are still grieving. But again, Lord, we thank you that you are a God of great hope, a God of great mercy, a God who is able to bring comfort, even in the midst of sadness. So, Father, we have come. We have come to worship, as we just sang, to worship the newborn King. Father, you are a great and awesome God. Open our eyes and open our ears, and may we hear and see all that you have in store for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as you turn in your hymn book to hymn number 108. 108, the first Noel, the angels did sing.
think most of us realize <coughs> how fortunate, no, not fortunately, how blessed we are to have two faithful servants <coughs> serving as our pastors, both Pastor Bob and Pastor Tony. Pastor Tony. <coughs> each year at this time, <coughs> excuse me, each year at this time, the congregation likes to present them with a monetary gift and appreciation for their service through the year. And I'd like to call them both to the, stand, to the platform with me and uh, we'll make that presentation again. <coughs> <coughs> It's been my privilege over the years to do this, to present them with this, present, present this to the pastors in uh, behalf of the congregation. And we certainly appreciate and our pastors, and we need to continue to pray for them and encourage them throughout the year. But uh, at this time, I'd like to present this to them, both Pastor Tony and Pastor Bob. Thank you, congregation. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, our pastors. Thank you so much. And we do certainly appreciate all of you. Uh, you are so awfully kind and grateful and gracious. And um, we really do. We, we pray for you as well. Uh, be assured of that. We do pray for, for you and for your families. And we just trust that. God would give us another great year in 2017. But today is Christmas. Today is Christmas. It doesn't always fall on Sunday. Uh, I forget how many years goes by until uh, Christmas falls on a Sunday. Uh, but let me ask you a question. Uh, does Christmas ever stress you out? To find that right gift... Or maybe you ordered a gift online and, and you're just on pins and needles uh, hoping that it arrives on time so you can present it uh, on Christmas Day. Maybe there's a party that you um, have organized and you just want everything to go really, really well. And then this year, you add to top, on top of all of that and you have maybe a bit of... Um, political stress. You know, if we go back into the Old Testament, and that's where we're going, that's where we've been this month, we might be able to say for the city of Jerusalem that they were also under a bit of political stress. Because during the days of Isaiah, the city of Jerusalem was under a threat. The city of Jerusalem was a thriving city, greatly populated, but it was during a time of political stress and political unrest. Let me give you a little bit of background before we begin to look at the Christmas story. During the days of Isaiah, the nation of Israel was divided. Now, if you were here last week, you know that. Uh, because we looked at Isaiah 9 last week, today Isaiah 7. Israel is divided. There's a northern kingdom and there's a southern kingdom. And what is taking place at this time in 735 B.C.? 
is the king of Israel in the north by the name of Pekah. He is trying to form an alliance with the king of Syria, whose name is King Rezin. And their aim, their goal, is to go down against the southern kingdom of Judah. And the king in the south, his name is Ahaz. So do you get the picture? Two kings in the north, one king in the south. The two kings in the north are forming an alliance to go against the king in the south. Interesting that the king of, of, of Israel in the north would form an alliance with the king of Syria. But at this time, uh, Israel was not in a position where they were walking closely with God. So what God says to Isaiah is, I want you to go to Ahaz. He's the king of the south. And I want you to go to Ahaz and I want you to comfort him. Because right now, I'm not ready to have a foreign nation come in against Jerusalem. Now the day will come when God will allow the Babylonians to do just that. But not right now. And so Isaiah goes to King Ahaz in Isaiah chapter 7. And this is what he says. He says, be careful. Be calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Now the two smoldering stubs of firewood are the two kings in the north, Rezin and Pekah. Don't be afraid of them. Now he goes on to say further in Isaiah chapter 7, I, it will not take place and it will not happen. So here is Isaiah the prophet he goes to King Ahaz in the south and says, listen, you know what's happening. You know that these two kings in the north are plotting against you. But don't lose heart. Don't be afraid because their plans are not going to take place. It's not going to happen. Then God says to Isaiah, after you say this to Ahaz, Tell Ahaz to ask me for a sign. A sign that might prove to him. By the way, Ahaz at this point is not a very nice king. He is not a very nice man at all. He is ungodly, he has no faith in God, and he has rejected the God of Israel. And so God wants to give him a sign. But Ahaz is to ask for it, and Ahaz says not doing it. I don't really believe that God is going to do all of this for me. But God wants for Ahaz to know that at this point, God is on his side. Ahaz says, I'm not asking for a sign. God says, I'm going to give him a sign anyway. And the sign is found in verse 14 of Isaiah chapter 7. Now, I've said in every sermon so far, I believe, listen carefully, because in the Old Testament, we can hear the sounds of Christmas. So far, this didn't sound much like a Christmas sermon, did it? All right, now we begin to hear the sounds of Christmas. Look at verse 14 of Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore, 
The Lord himself will give you a sign. Now here's the sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Oftentimes, prophetic messages in the Old Testament have a near but also a far fulfillment. There is oftentimes the present fulfillment of the prophecy, but there's also the future fulfillment of the prophecy. Clearly, what we have in verse 14, and we'll see this when we turn to Matthew's gospel, that what Isaiah is referring to here is the is Jesus Christ himself who is the final fulfillment of verse 14 You know when we looked at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 there was a suggestion of a virgin birth Do you remember when God was sentencing Satan, because he tempted Adam and Eve to eat of that forbidden fruit. And in the sentence, God said to Satan that you will bruise the seed of the woman's heel, but the seed of the woman will crush your head. Seed of the woman. Here, we have the word virgin. In this sign, Isaiah, I see three parts. There's three parts to this sign that Isaiah has given to Ahaz that has its ultimate fulfillment in the Messiah. Three parts. First of all, the conception. The conception. The sign is this. The virgin will conceive. Now some of your translations, you have a, another word in there. It's the word behold. Behold. It's one of those words that's, that's included uh, to grab our attention. It's a word used to reveal something that's shocking. Something that's startling. Something that's very surprising. Well, it doesn't get much more surprising than to announce that a woman who is a virgin is going to bear a child. Behold, the virgin will be with child. Certainly, a miraculous sign. Now, keep your finger in Isaiah 7, uh, but jump over to Matthew chapter 1. I want you to see what the Gospels say as well uh, about this sign, um, about the virgin conception. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, uh, we read these words from Matthew's gospel. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Now, you know there's skeptics in the world today. There are doubters, you know, questioning uh, the whole idea of such a, a, a no, the notion of a virgin birth. 
But here is Matthew who says, this is how it happened. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came about. Now listen, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Notice the emphasis upon the fact that there was no relationship between Joseph and Mary. They're pledged to be married, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is no ordinary conception. This is a miraculous conception. While they were pledged, before they came together. And then we have these words from the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. There is then included in all of this divine activity. Divine activity. The angel said to Mary over in Luke chapter 1, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The result of this conception is a result of divine activity. And someone had said, and one of the commentators I was looking at this week, this is one of the deepest and one of the holiest mysteries in all the Word of God. This is a great mystery. Nothing said regarding how all this is going to happen from the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, Mary. Nothing is said how all that works. But what we do know is that the conception comes about without the involvement of man. There's no seed of male involved in this conception. And then back in Isaiah chapter 7, not only do we have the conception, but we have the birth. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Now leave your finger, ah, you took it out of Matthew, didn't you? Leave, <laughs> it's too late to say, leave your finger in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, but let's continue reading where we just left off. Look at Matthew 1.21. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Who is the prophet? Isaiah. All this is taking place to fulfill the sign that Isaiah gave to Ahaz. The virgin, verse 23, will conceive. Here's the quote from Isaiah. And will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, 
he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Again, the emphasis in this text is on a miraculous conception. No union with her until the birth of Jesus. What a powerful, powerful testimony to the divine origin of the scriptures. Has anyone ever asked you the question, how do you know the Bible's true? How do you know that? How do you know that this is just not an ordinary book that ought to be placed on your library shelf, just like every other book that's up there? Aren't these pages filled with myths and fables? I mean, who would believe in a great fish swallowing a man and a sea called the Red Sea in which the waters are departed and the children of Israel, they, they walk across on dry ground? Are these true? One of the ways we know the Bible is the Word of God is because of fulfilled prophecy. Because of fulfilled prophecy. These words in Isaiah chapter 7 are written 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus. Who can do that? Who can make predictions 700 years prior to their fulfillment? We are here in 2016. Who could make a prediction in the year 2716? How do we know what's going to happen 700 years from now? We don't know what's going to happen next year or tomorrow. Only God could make such a prediction. Only God could use a man like Isaiah to make a prophecy like the one he did in Isaiah chapter 7 and actually have it be fulfilled precisely as predicted. This must be the Word of God. This cannot be as a result of human authors except through God bringing about inspiration and using them. And so we have the fulfillment right here in Matthew chapter 1. We looked the other week in Micah, Micah 5-2, where it was predicted that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Who could do that 700 years prior to its fulfillment? Except God himself, using the authors of Scripture to bring about the very words that he wants to be recorded. This truly is the infallible and errant word of God. And fulfilled prophecy helps us to know that. And then we have the name. Name this little boy Jesus. Why? Because this babe in a manger is coming to save people from their sins. 
This name, don't you see it? It links. As in my prayer, I mentioned the children last week and, and the choir. As they linked the cradle to the cross. In the name Jesus, we have that link. That this babe in a manger is going to save his people from their sins. It is all about the cross. And the message that the angel gave to the shepherds out in the field was, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because I, I'm bringing you good news of great joy. That's going to be for all people. The message is that Jesus came to save us, all of us, from our sins. And then we have the last part I see in this sign, and that is the salvation. And we'll call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. In John chapter 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And later in that same chapter, in verse 14, it says that this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The virgin birth was a great mystery. The incarnation is also a great mystery. That God should take upon himself flesh. Jesus Christ being one person, but having two natures. Fully God and fully man. Born of Mary, humanity, but also conceived by the Holy Spirit, divinity. In Jesus we see the God-man. Now the reason why this is so important, the reason why we believe that it was a virgin conception is because Jesus now coming into this world would be free from the inherited sin that's handed down from Adam. When we spoke a few weeks ago, about the sin of Adam. We said that because Adam sinned, we have all sinned. Because we all have come through his loins. We are all a result of the seed of man, as well as the seed of woman. Jesus was born of the seed of woman. Which means that he did not inherit the sin handed down through Adam. Therefore, the angel says to Mary, as the angel's trying to explain to Mary all of this, that which will be born will be a holy one. A holy one. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, he knew no sin but he became sin for us. Jesus Christ was a holy one because the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she was found to be with child. This baby boy 
who was sinless, the Bible says, came to die for our sins. Someone said in something I was reading this week, nothing will change your life like a baby. <laughs> you know, we've had a pretty incredible year in 2016. We've had a number of babies uh, that were born. And uh, you moms and dads, you know that nothing will change your life like a newborn baby. Those schedules that you had at one time, all changed. Everything changes. Those, um, the, 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 the routine that you were in, complete distant memory. All of that is thrown out the window when that child comes into your house. My wife and I, I still remember, well, not very good anymore, <laughs> vaguely remember, uh, when our firstborn was, when, when Tim, our firstborn, was born. And we were there in the hospital, you know, all the hustle and bustle, and, and uh, then we come home, and, and uh, we're not around the doctors and the nurses and the family, and we walked into the bedroom, and we put Tim right on the bed, and we look at each other and say, now what do we do? <laughs> now what do we do? Nothing changes you like a baby. Jesus came into this world to change us. That's why he came. Jesus came into this world to change us. You see, it's more than just a manger. The Bible says, yes, that small child laying in that manger was the God-man. He was the Holy One. He was a sinless one. But he had to be so that he could die for the sins of the world. He had to be sinless and holy and separated from all sin so they could die for your sins on the cross and die for mine as well. The Bible says this baby boy grew. And now we must believe and receive. Someone said the most requested gift at Christmas is a gift card. Don't you love gift cards? And we, again, appreciate many of you who have, uh, you know, stuck little gift cards in, in, in Christmas cards. You go to the restaurant, you go to the store, and you don't have to pay for it. Someone said food, is always, food always tastes better when it's free. Now, you know Sheets is offering free coffee today, right? We already had our two cups. <laughs> free co coffee tastes good when it's, everything tastes better when it's free. Gift cards, the most requested gift at Christmas. But hey, listen to this. I also read that over a billion dollars of gift cards go unredeemed. You get them and you don't use them. I say to myself, what a waste. What a complete waste. This morning, God is offering you a gift. It's the gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ alone. But you know, many people decide not to receive that gift, to not take that gift, to not believe that gift. What a waste to be offered a gift and then never to use it or apply it. You see, God says to us this morning, here's my son, 
For I have loved you so much that I am willing to give to each of you my one and only son. But you must believe in him. And if you believe in him, you will never perish, but you will have eternal life. In John chapter 1 and verse 12, John writes this, But as many as receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become the children of God's. You see, that's what you need to do. God has done everything else. God has sent Jesus into our world. Jesus went to the cross and died and shed his precious blood for you. Now your responsibility is to receive the gift that God has given to you and believe in his name. You know, it's doesn't take a lot on our part to put our faith in Jesus. It costs God dearly. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for this Christmas day. But Father, my prayer this morning is that no one leaves this sanctuary without the assurance of knowing that they are part of the family of God. If you're here this morning, maybe you're not exactly sure that you have received God's offer of salvation. A simple prayer like this, I think, can change your life. Come before God now and just ask God, to save you, asking to forgive you of your sins, admit that you haven't been the best person, that you've sinned against his law, admit and confess your sins before him, and then trust and believe in Jesus, the one who died on the cross, put your faith in him believing that he can save you from your sins. Father, I pray that these here this morning know you in a very personal way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you um, feel that you've trusted Jesus this morning, uh, would you say something to me as you leave? Uh, so that I can pray for you, or um, if you don't want to say something on the visitor's card in the hymn rack right in front of you, uh, maybe you could just indicate on there that, you know, you, you put your faith in Jesus this morning. And um, just drop that in the um, offering box as you leave, and, and I'll, uh, I'll get my hands on that sometime this week and, and um, make a call, and we can maybe chat about a few things. Take your hymn books, if you would, please, and turn to hymn number 103. O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. What a great day God has given us. Let's stand together, and we'll sing all four stanzas, and we'll be dismissed.
Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the great salvation which you have provided for us. Lord, I pray that your spirit that has begun a good work in many of us this morning might continue that work uh, as we move into this week and into the next month and year. And Father, if there's one who has, who has uh, trusted Christ, Lord, give them that great assurance that they are one of yours. And their Father, they just have not yet crossed from darkness to light. May your spirit continue, continue to work and bring them to that place where they trust Jesus fully for their salvation. Father, we are thankful for this time of the year. And Father, we're thankful for the cradle. We're thankful for the small child that was born. And we truly thank you for the cross. What a great day it's been, and continue to give us a great day, and may you be honored and glorified in this day and in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.